Hi, I'm Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another great episode of My EdTech Life. Thank you so much for joining us on this wonderful Tuesday evening, or it could be Wednesday, depending on wherever in the world you're joining us from today. Thank you, as always, from the bottom of my heart for for making my EdTech life what it is today. I appreciate all the love that you share for our podcast, all the likes, the shares, the follows. Please make sure that you all continue to subscribe and share our wonderful episodes. And I'm just so excited today to speak about something that I am a huge fan of, which is obviously immersive technology. And I'm really excited to welcome to our show today, Tom Dubois, who is joining us from Remio VR. And we're going to be talking about that great platform. And we're going to be talking about the education implications for AR, VR, as we continue to move the education landscape forward. So thank you all for joining us. And Please make sure if you guys have any questions, let us know where you're joining us from and go ahead and share your questions or comments. So thank you so much. But I'm happy to introduce you today to Tom, who is joining us. Tom, how are you this evening? Great. Hi, Bonds. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you. I know that this was something a long time coming. Maybe we kind of scheduled this show about last month or so. So I've been really excited. And as you know, we know that tech continues to move, move forward. We've seen so many great things. Uh, CES was uh, this last week. So a lot of great stuff going on in immersive tech. So for our audience members, Tom, who are getting to know you today or just hearing about Remio today for the very first time, if you can give us uh, you know, a brief introduction you know, about your work and you know, maybe a little bit of work history because that is something that I was like, wow, I can't believe the experience that you have. So, Tom, give us a little introduction about yourself. Yeah, sure. So, uh, I'm the chief product officer for Remio, and uh, I've really worked in product management for uh, most of my career. And, you know, what that really means uh, is thinking about the features we're going to add to the products, engaging with customers to really understand their needs. And uh, in VR, I've been working closely also with the headset manufacturers like Meta, Pico. Um, but, um, you know, Remio VR is a, a startup. Um, prior, to, prior to Remio, I, I worked in the video game industry for a number of years. Um, so I worked with electronic arts and I, I work on Madden and FIFA and a lot of EA's big video game titles. Um, and then I, um, as, as VR was kind of becoming a thing, I got really interested in it. I worked on eye tracking and um, actually, I'm sorry, I, I, in between EA and, and VR, I went to a company called ZSpace, which has a, a three-dimensional monitor, they call it, I think, holographic monitor, where you can put on um, almost like 3D glasses in a movie theater, and you can see objects sticking out of your monitor. And, and the reason I mentioned them is that they are actually focused on the education space. And um, it was kind of almost like a they're still around, they're selling into schools, but it's somewhere kind of in between a, a 2D monitor and, a, and putting a, a VR headset on your head. Um, 
And then, um, I, as I said, I was working on eye tracking and I was at a startup that got acquired by Google and I worked on a bunch of Google, uh, VR headsets and applications. Um, and then, uh, and then from there, I actually worked with the NFL on a volumetric video project, um, which was pretty cool. It was a 3d point cloud that we would capture live sports and, uh, and now I'm having a great time at Remio, which, um, you know, it's a combination of collaboration tools and games. And, you know, what we really see is, um, I'm sure we'll get into it deeper, but, you know, if you just have a, a like a meeting application of VR, it can be very dry. And so we think if you give people fun things to do in a social setting, um, you can really have a lot of bonding whether it's in education or in business. Excellent. Wow. Well, before we get into Remio, and I just want to kind of dissect a little bit more about your experience because you're coming in from, you know, video game background and then, you know, working into, you know, you're finding out AR, VR is kind of, you know, becoming something that is out there now and very popular. So what exactly, at what point, maybe during the, you know, coming up a VR, AR, VR, was it that you said, wow, you know, this is something that, something that's going to be big and, you know, kind of transitioning into that. Was there something specific or maybe something that you saw that piqued your interest and said, hey, maybe I want to move into this space, you know, and start kind of working yeah, well, there? I, I mean, really going, going way back, I think what's always interested me about kind of the consumer gaming space is it tends to use new technologies, cutting edge technologies, whether, you know, it's 3D graphics or artificial intelligence. I mean, games have really been on the, on the forefront and I really involve working with new innovative technologies. So, um, you know, VR has been coming for a long time. We've gone through a couple of cycles, but this whole idea of immersive computing and really moving beyond kind of these flat 2D monitors that we've had for a long time. And keyboards as kind of the way we interact with computers. I, I just think, you know, VR is going to be a key, key uh, step along the path, uh, getting more immersive uh, with how we interact with with computers. Oh, absolutely, and I, I am all here for that, my friend. I'm also very familiar with uh, ZSpace that you were mentioning, and you know, seeing their laptops, seeing their devices. You know, it's something that's great to for just adding that additional learning experience. Um, so we'll get into that in just a second, too, as well, as far as the experiences, because the way that you uh, we talked about Remio right now, that you're describing is just having that combination of those meeting rooms, but bonding and having games and so on. It's something that I think is very important, you know, because, uh, you know, when we got locked into pandemic and myself speaking from the education standpoint and having meetings after meetings and trainings and so on. It, it just would get just something sometimes a little bit boring sometimes. So we definitely want to build a better experience to um, maybe fully immerse ourselves in and, and take that learning also to another level and make it fun. So I'm curious to note here, as far as now your transition into Remio, if you can tell us a little bit about uh, Remio VR's platform and also maybe telling us a little bit of the schools that you work with and a little bit of the key features of the platform. Sure. Yeah, I, so Remio, uh, just to paint a picture for people, is uh, we, we kind of think of it as a metaverse as a service. So we provide a customizable virtual environment 
and we have kind of a main hub you can land in, which you can customize. We have like a Greek island. We have a, a snowy winter wonderland. We have uh, some more like corporate kind of settings. Um, and it's kind of the main hub where when you log in, you create your avatar and you have this physical virtual space. And then we tie a lot of different experiences to that space um, through the metaphor of a door. So the door is kind of a portal. Um, you can gather large groups in the main landing, landing area. And we have whiteboards and can um, stream things from your, your PC, like a, a video or a slide pr presentation. Uh, but then you can walk through a door and you can be, you know, playing paintball or doing the escape room. Uh, for our for our business customers, we have a bar that's not necessarily used by the educational space, um, but it's basically this extensible system that can be highly customized. Um, and so we've we've been working um, with some educational partners, and it's really been a pretty wide range. Um, we have some kind of late elementary, middle school focused partners, uh, definitely high school. And then going into college, uh, and um, one of those is the Hoquiam School District in Oregon, um, where they started a, a a VR program last summer, um, really more high school age. Um, it's obsessively about programming and developing mm -hmm. the VR, but the the teacher mm -hmm. is fairly innovative, and is really concerned with. Um, just, just getting kids engaged generally. And, um, also just kind of a lot of, uh, kind of emotional development and social learning. And, um, one of the things he's been most excited about is seeing kids form friendships in VR that would never happen in real life. Um, kids from different social circles, uh, you know, he's had a, he has a really wide range. Some of them are disabled, um, you know, or have other challenges. And, you know, it, it sounds like a cliche, but, you know, you know, hanging out with, you know, an athlete or people that are in kind of these different social groups and, um, kids have said things like, Hey, I would probably never be friends with you in real life, but they were like bonding, uh, online through our, through our avatars. That is awesome. That is great. You know, and, you know, there's so much there that I want to unpack, especially with this, uh, you know, experience that you're sharing from this particular teacher. But before we get into that, you know, I know you started, you started working with, you know, a couple of elementaries, high school, universities, and so on. So my question to you is just because I'm a big proponent of this, and I wish that we can definitely be more, be accessible for us here in our district. But, you know, in your experience, you know, not only through Remio, but your experience in AR, VR, what would you say are some of the biggest barriers or obstacles to be able to engage within the K-12 space? Uh, I mean, definitely it's uh, access to the hardware, right? So, I mean, there's an investment in infrastructure there to um, have these headsets, manage the devices, um, you know, and, and the software. Um, we, we tend to work through resellers. Uh, who that's a lot of what they do is, is manage that piece of it. Um, but, you know, I think once you can get over that hurdle, it's finding, it's finding a, a school district or a teacher who's a real champion about 
kind of uh, wanting to to provide this kind of education. Uh, yeah, and and see, and that's what I see. I agree with you. I, you know, we've had a lot of guests here, and usually that's what it'll take. It'll just take that one or two champs that can bring it in and show the capability of what the tech can do and embrace that and, you know, kind of be that model for everybody else. So, yeah, it's interesting. And again, I, it's one thing that I always like to ask because I know maybe for a school district, like one in our size, you know, who's relatively small, 14 schools, sometimes it, it really just turns out to be more of the cost rather than the return on investment. And going back to return on investment, like you mentioned, that one particular teacher who has uh, you know, different types of students in, in uh, their class, but being able to make those connections, I find that something that's very valuable in, in this space. So, um, you know, can you tell me a little bit more about your experiences and being able to see that? And of course, maybe a little bit more of, is this the goal for Remio where this is the space that you want to it into more, or is it just a mix right now of your what you're offering? Yeah, well, so I think you know if you look at where VR has been in education in the short history of that, I think there was a lot of um, hey, we could use this for virtual field trips, maybe you know, 360 videos and uh, go places, and I you know I think very early on you, you go with things like Google Cardboard. That was that was kind of one of the use cases, um, and then you do have very kind of bespoke applications like ZSpace, right? Where they have a physics application. It's a simulation. It does a very specific thing, and if you're not taking a physics class, then you're you're not using that piece of software. Um, well, Remio is very much about again having this um, customized, extensible platform. And being very general, so like we are not building specific simulations for biology or chemistry or physics. And, um, you know, why we, we want to be able to play different kinds of media and so you could play 360 movies, we want to be, you know, much more than that. So we do see this social piece um, as, a, as our huge differentiator. And a lot of the current apps um, are limited to... Can, can be limited to pretty small numbers of people, uh, you know, like eight, 10. Uh, one thing Remy is really focused on is scale. So we can, we typically have 30 or 40 people in the same environment, uh, but we can go up to several hundred. And then once you go beyond that, we can have like multiple auditoriums where one speaker could be broadcast to multiple places at the same time. So you can, you can scale up to, you know, thousand participants but um you know something like a classroom where you might be 20 to 30 people i think being able to be in the same environment um and actually have tools to manage that um and so yeah we we started off doing kind of events in vr so we have a lot of hosting tools so if if kids aren't paying attention you can like mute everybody you can pull everybody together um, we can, um, we have like various objects and things people can play with. We can turn those on and off. So, uh, the teacher is able to kind of manage the group, um, in a way that can be difficult if you try to use an off the shelf, uh, VR application. 
Yeah, excellent. Now, uh, I'm curious though, like as far as your platform, you know, some of the tools that you do have available, you did mention the video, which is great, you know, to be able to immerse yourself in a space and you're still able to project or show video from your computers. But, you know, you did mention whiteboards. Are there any other kind of tools that are available, you know, as we, you know, go into Remio's platform and experience it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So kind of the core tool set, you know, we, we, we do have like whiteboards, different kinds of meeting rooms. Um, we have, um, and the ability to stream content in from a, a computer. So we have some people that are doing things like streaming in a Ted talk, and then they have a discussion in VR. Um, and then uh, again, we have uh, a 3D object customizer where you can import objects and place them in the environment. Um, and then we also have galleries so you can import images and things and uh, kind of, you can imagine creating your own little museum or whatever, and then you kind of walk through it. Yeah, actually right now, I, I saw my expression, like my face lit up because, you know, the ability to be able to do something like this in this immersive space where for myself, what I love about AR VR is just the possibilities, you know, getting outside, even though you may be in a physical world, you know, working through this, but just the ability to feel like you're immersed in a new world and you're connecting with other people that you might not connect with in real life. And to me, that's huge, that importance, that experience, seeing things from different lenses, but also to be able to experiment with these uh, tools that you have available, to be able to hear somebody speak, you're doing a conference, the gallery walk, this idea of, you know, being able to post your work and walk through and have discussions and, and things of that sort. It, to me, it's just so valuable that sometimes we don't get that time, obviously, in our classrooms because time is something that is so valuable. And of course, you've got to go through the curriculum and you've got to do all those things. But something like this could, is for me is a game changer to be able to give students that experience or to travel or be able, like you said, that I liked is be able to import 3D objects. And now the student is creating and they can create their own space. They can create their own little area of this, uh, in the, this platform that people can come and visit and see and interact with. And I think that that to me is what I love about this space, you know, the ability to do those things. So that's great. Absolutely loving it. We have a new partner in the education space who hasn't launched yet, but they're, they're aiming at slightly younger kids, like early middle school. And it's exactly that idea of instead of uh, a book report or kids are doing, you know, a slide presentation, PowerPoint presentation. Now they can do that in VR. And it's exactly what you just talked about. Um, you know, I'm yeah. doing a report on an octopus. Let me import a 3D object. Let me create a gallery. And and then, you know, that that is their presentation. They walk the class through their project, basically. I absolutely love that. You know, a couple of years ago, and I can't believe I'm saying that years because it, it has been years, I think, but I interviewed Dr. Messina Morris from Morehouse College. And that one was one of the things that I absolutely love. And I want to, you know, kind of repeat what she said here, because again, for teachers, the possibilities that are here are great because at least in my experience now, teachers are 
pretty much they're self-contained for the most part in our district, which means they teach all subjects at the elementary level. But there are some schools where I was at before where we kind of were departmentalized, where I just did math, uh, math and science, and then or did math and social studies, and then the other teachers would do something else. So it almost seemed like we were siloed. And we were all working in our own little worlds. But what I loved about what Dr. Morris said at, that she was she was able to do at Morehouse was that she was able to kind of bring down those walls and and show that now you can have the fine arts teacher or uh, English teacher, language arts teacher be able to come in into a science class and be able to tie in and marry some of their their curriculum with the science curriculum or math and science and social studies and so on. And you're just removing those silos and those barriers. And that's something that I can see that potential with a platform like this to be able to have that where you no longer see everything separate. It's more of like, hey, we can bring in everything together. And that to me, I'm getting really excited about that, just speaking about it, because this is something that I would love to experience and have others be able to experience too as well. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's integrating all, all the subjects like you're talking about. There's even something that's even, I think, more primal about VR and, and this idea of instead of uh, a kid presenting and kids sitting in their seats listening to somebody lecture, uh, this idea of kind of like walking and talking where it still is a presentation, but you're walking around in VR and and experiencing the presentation and and for some kids and, and when you and when you walk maybe to the next part of the gallery maybe there's an object that you can pick up in vr if you're a fidgety kid you can you can be playing but you're retaining a lot more and and the other aspect of vr is again just the presence you can't turn off the camera like you can on video conferencing and you really you really have to be present. People see your body language. They see your head, uh, your eyes. You know, we're getting uh, the, the newer headsets are having eye tracking and face tracking. So you see expressions. Um, that's where I think, you know, people really haven't thought about what immersive computing is going to mean. It's, it's so much better than, you know, Zoom uh, for remote distance learning. Absolutely. So, I mean, one thing that you described there too that I love that you said it was that, uh, you know, you have something for in that environment for all of your students. And, you know, and I recall having a, in my classroom, having, you know, uh, one particular student who was very fidgety and so on, but really, you know, still being able to engage him and, um, you know, give him his space and his area where he was still engaged. And in the, in the immersive space too, you, absolutely have that and that's the one thing that i love that they're always active there's that level of engagement and there's still that level of control you know that learning that is taking place and you're doing it together in in that space where everybody has a voice also you know and it's not always just like well the fastest one that raises their hand is the one that gets the answer but everybody has uh, uh the ability to create and be able to take ownership of their learning and I love what Amanda says here, you know, voice, agency, choice, immersive environment, so much like game-based learning spaces. You know, absolutely. This is one thing that I absolutely love. So now, are you, in your experience, you know, again, just because of what I read and so on, but in your personal experience, 
from what you've had working in this industry, uh, what is it that you're seeing schools kind of working with and adopting? Are you seeing that there is a higher level of, of acceptance for this sort of technology? Is there, you know, has it kind of gone up a little bit more or do you still kind of see where people are just still kind of hesitant and, and waiting to jump on? Yeah, I definitely think uh, we're in a it's early part of the adoption curve. And, um, you know, we what we're trying to do is get people to to check it out, to try it out, um, and trying to get that as low friction as possible. Um, and I think that's what the whole industry is doing. So, you know, it's not just us. So we're kind of kind of trying to be part of that wave. Um, and again, that's where I think you really got to find a champion or the teacher that really sees the potential. Um, you know, we, we have a couple other interesting use cases. I know you said kind of K through 12. Um, we have one partner called uh, VEDEX who is focused on kind of the graduating seniors, I guess. So they're using VR to help students explore career opportunities or career options. Um, and they're also using it, they're working with some partners for college tours. Um, and so again, you know, if you're, you're a kid somewhere, maybe you can't go visit a bunch of colleges. It's actually being used also by international students who are interested in coming to the U.S. Um, as a way to kind of visit a college campus, you know, they might want to apply to. So I, I think that's a really interesting use case. It's kind of perfect for VR. Um, Absolutely. Like, that's one thing that I, I really like what you said there, because again, you get to tour. And now when I was in the classroom, my goal, and I introduced a little bit of AR VR within the classroom, basically it was like, oops, they gave me a Google cardboard, but then, you know, I was able to uh, get an iPad and then we kind of started working a little bit with merge cues. But for me, I always, obviously within the curriculum, you know, still trying to find a way to give my students an experience that they may not otherwise have due to, of course, socioeconomics, you know, things of that sort. And the look on their eyes when they were able to see something like the Statue of Liberty just pop up from the floor and they're able to walk around it and just see it, you know, even for me, I've never been to New York. Someday I hope to be there, but even I was like, wow, you know, I'm still getting that ex experience, kind of seeing it and bringing either history to life, because at the time I was doing social studies, I was doing science also, but bringing science to life. But you're absolutely right for those graduating seniors that are getting ready to move into their next, uh, you know, their next phase in their learning. The fact that you're able to visit an international college or just even a college university here within the U.S. Yeah. and walk around and maybe even see a digital twin or interact within a digital twin of that campus. That's something that is very useful to make some more informed decisions of where you want to go. Yeah. And we have another partner. We talk about digital twins. They're, they're using VR for immersive language practice. So, I mean, obviously you can log into VR and be together, but what they're doing is creating environments like a store where you would, go in and practice your, your Spanish skills by actually buying stuff or you go to a fast food restaurant. So you're doing immersive learning uh, in, in environments where, you know, different kinds of conversations would happen. That is great because that's practical. I mean, you're having that 
that conversational, you know, whether it's a conversational Spanish class or vice versa, conversational English, but creating that space. And also it just kind of brings a little bit of that psychological safety where, where you know, students may be a little self-conscious, especially, you know, in the classroom, you know, depending on grade levels, we can know that sometimes, you know, kids can be just, you know, a little rough sometimes. Uh, but here in this immersive space, you're in an avatar, avatar form, you're still making those connections, but it, 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 you feel a little bit more comfortable in that sense, I think, and a little bit more open and adventurous to try new things. So I absolutely love that. I'm glad that you shared that. Yeah, because yeah. that's a great use case for language learners or in any case. <laughs> awesome. Well, all right. Avatars. Uh, it's, it's, we get a lot of questions about avatars like, oh, it doesn't look like me. But again, I think it's the strength of VR. Um, and this, this one educational partner that hasn't launched yet is actually asking about they want non-human avatars as well. I think there's a lot of value to being able to put on somebody else's skin and, um, and interact. Um, but I also think, uh, it's amazing how much a person's personality can come through an avatar. And again, just the body language, the voice, the spatial audio, um, you really get a sense of a person, uh, even though you're talking to an avatar. Yeah, no, I most definitely see that. That's awesome. So right now, as far as, uh, Remio is concerned, you know, we talked a little bit about the platform and I know that you do work with the higher ed space. Can you tell me a little bit about, about, you know, the experience in higher ed or maybe some of the feedback that you're getting? And the only reason I ask this is because I feel that when we came back from pandemic, I saw that higher ed now was a little bit more open to greater use of technology than they were before. And then what I noticed is that when when K twelve space went back to our to our brick and mortar schools, there was a huge kind of like little pull pull back in tech where now we're like in our comfort zone, we're back in the classrooms, and maybe let's just put the tech aside a little bit. So I'm just curious to see as far as Remio, have have you seen greater growth with an adoption, you know, coming from pandemic on uh, with the, the ARVR within the ARVR space, I should say. Um. I want to say it's been, you're asking if it's higher in higher education. Um, yeah. Yeah. Has it, has it grown in the higher ed space? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it feels like it's actually growing more in the, uh, middle school, high school space. So again, yeah, but for us, because we're, we're not a, uh, a specific simulation, um, uh, again, uh, the, the primary use case we've seen is this, um, Again, this one partner of ours is using it for college tours. Um, you know, uh, I think I think when you get into higher education, there's probably it's much more maybe subject specific. Um, I mean, I know there are people building kind of digital twins at campuses, um, but that hasn't been our focus yet. Um, so, but okay. we we do, Sounds- yeah. Well, well, for me, I'm happy to hear though that you are seeing it in that middle school. So that's great, you know, like I said, and that was just me through my observation. But of course, I'm only just observing what is around me here and maybe just hearing from what other friends tell me that is happening in their their areas. But I'm glad to see that there's a little bit more acceptance of it, of the tech, because it's there. And thank you for also for sharing, you know, what you have seen have been some of those uh, barriers that may be there 
for greater acceptance, which obviously we know that it's uh, a lot of the accessibility, you know, obviously to the headset. So with Remio, and just to be clear, you know, usage for Remio is strictly through the headsets, correct? Uh, no. So we actually, you can access it through a PC and through a web browser. Um, but it's really meant for somebody, uh, for some reason can't use a headset. It's, it's not as great of an experience, right? You really want that immersive experience. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, in a group of 30, 40 people, you may have one or two people who, for whatever reason, can't, can't use the headset so they can participate. They can talk to people. Um, it's just not as immersive to be sitting in front of a PC versus having the headset. Yeah, no, and I can definitely see that because I would love for my students all to be uh, completely immersed. And, uh, uh, you know, so that's, and that's one of the things too, you know, there's so many platforms that are out there that offer, you know, very similar, you're, you're on a computer, uh, but something where you're fully immersed, like Remio, and you're talking about, you know, being able to access headsets. You're, you're absolutely right. It definitely brings out that little extra, you know, uh, I don't know, just either adventure, that little extra excitement of being fully immersed. So, yeah, so I'm definitely excited about that. And we're getting a lot of love here in the comments. Thank you so much, Amanda. Bonnie also, who's joining us on LinkedIn. Teachers on Fire, Tim Cavey. He, he puts here, yeah, I love the college tour application. Makes so much sense. So thank you, Tim and Scott also as well here. Thank you. It's good to see you, Scott. Uh, thank you so much for joining. I really appreciate it. Well, Tom, it, you know, as we kind of get ready to wrap up, you know, I just wanted to share or actually wanted you to share, you know, how can people uh, get a hold of maybe you or maybe just uh, the website and maybe if there is a demo that might be available you know, go ahead and uh, share with our audience uh, where they can go or where they can visit to maybe start uh, either immersing themselves in this as well or and being able to plant that seed back into maybe their school district. So share some information with us. Yeah. It's pretty easy. It's uh, remiovr.com, R-E-M-I-O-V-R.com. And we actually have free, you can sign up for a free account. Um you can actually set up a private server and check out a lot of the features. Uh, there's a public a public account as well. And we're pretty excited. Uh, we're currently in the App Lab section of the Oculus App Store, but we're launching in the main store uh, January 26th this month. Um, and then we're also on, on the Pico and the Vive Focus. Um, so... Uh, you know, again, it's very easy to get in and play around with it, try it out. Um, and then, you know, if it's really something that you find resonates with you. We have uh, different kinds of licenses. You know, we, uh, again, um, some of them are based on usage. If you don't, you don't think, and then we also have kind of a per seat license. Nice. Um, Excellent. Well, thank you so much for sharing and thank you so much for really Number one, the sharing your experience, you know, I, I found that I was like, wow, when I saw your bio and then when you shared, I was like, this is amazing, you know, where you're coming from, where you get to work and, you know, immersing yourself in this wave wow. of AR, VR and just helping to push that and move that forward. So that's great. And so thank you so much for the work that you do, because like I said, I am a huge fan of the AR, VR space. Uh, but before we wrap up, you know, I always have this last segment where I love to ask 
my uh, guests the following three questions. And I kind of changed up one of the questions, you know, a little bit. So for you, uh, for our audience members that are, are listening, they're always used to the same three questions, but kind of changed it up a little bit just for, for today. But my first question to you, Tom, is as a superhero, we know that Superman, his weakness or what would weaken Superman was kryptonite. So what would you say right now in the current state of ARVR in that landscape, what would you say is your current edu kryptonite? Or kryptonite, I should say. I feel like you kind of already asked to that question. I, I, again, I really feel like it's it's the adoption of this new piece of hardware, okay. right? It's just, it's a big deal, especially for school districts to manage the devices, um, have the infrastructure. And, um, you know, it's just, I, I think we're just on this adoption curve right now, similar to be where laptops were, um, you know, I think schools are getting more and more, uh, comfortable with technology, but this is like another device. So it's, it's definitely a challenge. Perfect. Good answer. That's great. Good answer. Okay. Now, what is one thing that you are really excited about? here in the ARVR space? Yeah. Well, I mean, you mentioned CES and there was a lot of interesting announcements coming out of CES. But the one thing that I'm really excited about is Apple launching their headset. I think, again, from a from a industry perspective, um, you know, I think when Apple comes in, they're going to make, they're going to make XR cool. And I think it's going to really be in a major and just inflection point for the entire industry. So it's been a long time coming, but, you know, we're starting to hear developers are working with the hardware. And so hopefully we'll see something from Apple this, this summer. Excellent. Good, good question. Would definitely be a great announcement. And once that comes out, like you said, it'll definitely uh, grow and it'll definitely, you know, make, make a sound for sure in this education space too, as well. So my last question to you, Tom, let's say that this was the Remio VR podcast and you are the host. What would be one question you'd like to ask me if I was your guest? Yeah. Well, I didn't know you were going to ask me. So you, again, you asked me the question already, which would, what I was thinking was, well, how, how can I get this for my school? Um, you know, and, um, and like I said, I think if there's a teacher out there that's interested um, you can just go to our website. You can download the app. You can actually set up a little private server and just start customizing it and messing around with it. Um, but yeah, that would, that would be my question is, well, how do I get this for myself? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I would love to ask that question too. But yeah, we'll definitely play around with that too. But Tom, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to come and just really share what Remio uh, VR is doing, but also getting your valuable insight as being, being you know, an expert in this field and, you know, your expertise and uh, the experience that you've had, you know, going through various phases and seeing how AR VR has grown is definitely valuable. So again, thank you so much for all the wonderful things that you shared. And I'm really excited because again, now that you're saying that there is, is a little bit more adoption and acceptance in that middle school grades. You know, hopefully that will all trickle down here in this area and just make it possible for as many students to be able to experience this technology and for teachers also 
to experience the tech and its benefits uh, because I see a lot of benefits uh, to this technology. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank all our uh, live guests that were here, Bonnie, Scott, Tim, Amanda. Thank you so much for joining us in the chat live today. And for all of you that will be that were watching live or will catch this on the replay, thank you. Thank you, as always, from the bottom of my heart for all of your support. Please make sure that you check out our website at myedtech.live and check out this episode and the other 164 amazing episodes with amazing creators, education leaders, practitioners, creators um, that we've had and where I promise you, you will learn at least a couple of new things that you can sprinkle onto what you're already doing great. So thank you so much. Please make sure that if you haven't yet, make sure that you like, share and follow our website. And please make sure you stop by our merch store where we've got some great designs. Conference season is around the corner. So we've got some comfortable uh, sweaters, caps, loungewear, whatever it is. And it all goes back to the show. So as always, my friends, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. And don't forget, stay techie.